we're here with Barb Peel, Vice President of Communications for Through the Bible out in uh, Southern California. And Barb is a CSU alum. And we want to welcome you, Barb, to our conversation. Jim Lytle and I are here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Tell us just real briefly, where did you grow up? How did you end up at BBC, now CSU? I grew up in Poughkeepsie, New York. My parents, Ed and Janine Peel, loved the Lord. They walked with the Lord. They raised us to love the Lord. So when it came time for me to pick a college, my dad actually said, you can go wherever you want. And I did. I put out, I put out applications in all the typical places. And uh, he says, you can go wherever you want and we'll help you. But pick somewhere where they'll shape who you are and not just what you want to do. And so I did. And I followed in my sister's footprints at BBC. And I already loved the school through her influence. And so I came ready to be shaped, knowing that the academics is a good thing, but it's something that's secondary to shaping of my character. And what was your major and maybe some things you were involved in while you're here on Clark Summit campus? My major was Bible, of course, as everybody's is. It has ended up being the most important thing in my career in my life, I would say, to, to understand God's word. And so that's made the most influence. My secondary major was secondary English, and it was just in its like third or fourth year. And so just beginning, and we were all flying by the seat of our pants, basically. And uh, it, it turned out great. I had a very successful seven years of teaching secondary ed after my education, and I loved it. And so good training. But I think the most influential activities that I was in was the um, leadership programs, the student leadership, junior and senior year on the student council, leading the student council, and then in the dorm for three of the four years, those one-on-one interactions, as well as how do you lead a student body in activities that honor the Lord. Those two were probably the most influential. I think I also had some really unique relationships with faculty. I can think of a couple birthdays that the Emmerts and Rosalie Bancroft and and Linda Strain made a big whooping celebration for me. And I remember learning how to pray by listening to Brother Bowser pray. And of course, my Bible classes were my favorite and the most influential with you, Jim and with uh, Dr. Emmert. And then also, you know, I think of Jay Long and other faculty who just loved us. They just simply loved us as they taught. And how, how can you go forward unchanged except through that kind of ministry that we received, that I received? I, I remember my, my dad told the story of Dr. Carter, who was an interim at my church, Tabernacle Baptist Church, he was interim. And dad told me this much later about uh, my brother was far away from the Lord at the time. And you know, my parents were heartbroken. And dad shared with Dr. Carter this heartache. And he says, well, let's pray right now. And they happened to be in the men's room at the church. And they got down on their knees. And, you know, dad teared up when he talked about the love of God that came through Dr. Carter's life. And so all of those, all those stories, and I've got a million combined, says that uh, my time at CSU was 
fruitful because it did what it promised. It shaped my character. It shaped my love for the Lord Jesus, my love for his word. And you all did it through people, through individuals, just doing their job. And uh, so I have a debt of gratitude for, for my time there. That is great to hear. Even to this day, our, our slogan here is Christ-centered, career-ready. And it's even back then, back in the 80s, when you were a student, to realize the impact our faculty had on you mm-hmm. and your career. A- after your time at BBC, you went down to Dallas, uh, enrolled at Dallas Theological Seminary. And if I understand correctly, you were one of the very first female graduates yes, of the yes. seminary. What, what was that like? Well, I didn't know it, but I was stepping on a bee's nest because I was in the first year where where women became a normal part of the classroom experience and the faculty was divided and you knew it in the first seconds of interaction. In fact, the whole school was divided about whether women should be even admitted. And so I didn't know it, but but it was a bee's nest. For instance, my first day in one of the biggest classrooms, it was a classroom of over a hundred students. There were two women, two, and we sat together. And my friend was from mainland China. So we were different, you know, and the faculty called me out and said, um, come here this way, bring your things. Oh, okay. And he said in a stage whisper, you're to sit in the back and you're not to say a word. Hmm. And, and then I went to the bathroom, which they didn't have women's bathrooms in the door in that building. You had to go across the build across the sidewalk to another building for to have women's bathrooms. And when I came back and I cried it out, I had a cry. And so I came back and I went into the next classroom, same class, different professor. He was going down the roster and we're beginning class. And of course, I'm sitting in the back. And he said, Miss um, Peel, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I held my hand up and he said, we're so honored that you're here. Would you open us in prayer? Wow. And so what a great, what a great encouragement. It was. And it's just to show good people on opposite sides of the argument. And that was the worst day of my whole seminary experience. And the rest of the time I got to get down to business. But you know, what's funny is I got a seminary education at CSU. The professors were all trained to give us that level of education so that when I got to Dallas Seminary, I got to waive like half my curriculum. I would go in for I I said, I think I had this class before, but I had it in college. Could you could you talk with me and see if I can waive it? And so they would have a one on one meeting. They'd ask questions. You're kind of grilled on subjects. And then then they said, yeah, yeah, you can you can go up to the next level. So basically, I skipped a couple years worth of training in order to get the most out of my Dallas Seminary experience. They love CSU. I know that for a fact. So that's DTS. And I loved it. And I got a master's of Christian education. I still looked about 14, but I went on then to teach. And then really through your experience, that opened the door to kind of what you're doing now, your writing ministry or your your ministry investment of writing. Jim tells me you were in, in conjunction with uh, Charles Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll, Insight sure. Living, Walk in the Word, a variety of other ministries. They tell us more about that. That it's that been a lovely, ministry. it's been a lovely life. 
by the way, there's a link there. When I was at seminary, I was I was discipled by Howard Hendricks' wife. And so I got to know Gene and Howard very well, Prof and Gene really well. And he's the one who much later taps on Chuck's shoulder and said, I think you should hire her. And they pretty much did over the phone. And so that's how strong that recommendation came down. And so that's how I got into Insight for Living, which was which was 12 or 13 years of my life. And they were wonderful years. So basically what I've done in my career is not at all something that you could track. You could not say, well, no, I'm going to go into I'm going to go into Christian radio and I'm going to write for ministries and pastors and I'm going to, you know, impact the world. You don't make that up. You just let the Lord take you. And it seems like every ministry, I've been in four major ministries in these uh, 35 years. It seems like the Lord just opens and closes as you need to move on and as you need to come. There hasn't been major decision-making issues. It's, it's like, okay, your time's done. Okay, what's next? You know, and it's, it's been good. I say it sounds a little bit like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to me. You're right. And also Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And it's like, okay, what's the next step? You know, you don't get a big reach of that lamp. You only have a couple steps in front of you. And so you go there. Like that Indiana Jones, you know, where that scene where he just steps and the bridge comes out. It's kind of been like that. I think it's supposed to be that way. So you've helped people write books and you've edited books and you've worked on Bible studies. Uh, You've produced some amazing stuff on your own that I'm not sure everyone even knows you've produced for the glory of God. So I was looking at this and thinking, uh, well, two ways we could go. You know, one is I could say, hey, Barb. I've got a book in me. Help me to get it out. Uh, but I, I, I wish I had a dollar for everybody that's told me that. I wish. Well, uh, that's why we're not going to go that direction because I don't want the humiliation. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I thought if we went another way, because so much of what you do is a ministry of Jesus Christ to others. And so maybe you could give our listeners some help with figuring out, well, what if I wanted to write for ministry and not particularly for money or writing for a book? Help us think through that. Well, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's not a yes or no topic. It's a first, you have to figure out uh, why do you want to write? And if it is writing, like you can serve the body in a hundred different ways. If writing is it, well, then let me speak to that. First, you have to ask yourself why you want to write. And you kind of have to ask that every single time you sit down and you think that you're going to start a project. Why do I want to do this? It could be to express yourself. You have a hot topic that it's been on your heart. It's something that is important to you. Maybe maybe it's just something hard that you've been through that you want to process. These are all good things. They save money on counseling for sure. Chuck Swindoll says, over the lips and through the fingertips is how we work things out. We talk them out and we write them out. Maybe you want to document your life. Maybe you want to document life principles. Maybe all of that I would put in the category of writing to express yourself. And this is good. There's another branch that says you are writing to communicate something to someone. And you don't don't miss either of those. 
something, you have something specific that you want to communicate and you have someone specifically that you are writing to. You can't say, well, I'm just going to write for everybody because then you'll really write for nobody. So figure out what you want to do first. And if it's to express yourself, then there's a lot of ways you can do that and a lot of ways that are fruitful. But I want to talk about maybe writing to communicate something to someone. That's writing as a ministry. And then I would say you also have another branch here. If your heart's desire is to serve that somebody with that something, go after it with all your heart. Ask the Lord for direction. Let him impress upon your heart the direction that you need to go in it. I promise you, if you do those things, you will be fruitful in it. You might not make a dime, but you will be fruitful in ways that eternity will boast about. If you, if you say, no, I really want to publish, I really see that as my greatest um, advantage, then I want to do a couple reality checks and then also encourage you. The reality check is we are not the same world that 20 years ago, 30 years ago in publishing. There are no markets for browsing, as in you're not going to go into a bookstore and browse and find a book. It's just not done anymore. And publishers have felt the effects of that. And so more than ever, they have become a business. And so a business model says that you could have a great idea, but they can't sell it. And so if they can't sell it, they're not going to buy it from you. And so that's the harsh reality. They will say you have to have an audience of, oh, they love to see lists uh, into the 10,000s of followers that will immediately be interested. And so unless you can deliver that, publishing might happen to you, but it'll be one of God's miracles, uh, one of his opportunities that, that will come out of the blue. I don't want to discourage you, but I also don't want to give you any encouragement in that way. But that doesn't mean you're not going to publish. It just means you're not going to publish the traditional way. Um, there's plenty of ways that you can publish if you don't care about how many people see it. You can publish on a blog. You can do the Facebook posts. You can find out what other people are doing from that discipline and join them. You can self-publish, which is what I'm thinking about with a project that's gotten great traction, but uh, no publisher wants it. So I might, I might spend the money and, and get it self-published and see what, see what kind of traction I can get. So I'm not, I'm not um, poo-pooing any of that. You just have to um, be willing to give your content away for free and let the Lord decide how the path of that project. Writing as a ministry is, I consider it one of the spiritual disciplines. You might, Jim, I see you, you're, you're looking a little like questioned. How, how, do you, how do you see it as a, as a spiritual discipline? I, I think, um, well, just think about walking with the Lord. What does that look like? Well, it's day by day. It's something that you are continually growing in your understanding of how to do it. I talked with a, a sweet lady at church the other day, 86, and I asked her what she was hoping for in the new year. And she says, oh, honey, I want to get control of some of these sin issues. 
<laughs> I'm like, well, good for you. you. And she goes, and I also want to be better at prayer. It's also mostly an internal journey. Your spiritual life and a writing life is almost all internal. And then the last one on that list is skills. And so your Christian life and your writing life are basic skills continually honed. The internal journey, think well, think about it. The pursuit of our life is to love the Lord. The pursuit of writing is getting better and better at communicating. Like uh, Marjorie at church, in the Christian life, you deal with your sin all the time. How I'm being sensitive to it, being fast at confessing it, learning how to not do it next time. All of those, they happen internally. They happen inside. No one knows about these things. Same thing with writing. You know, I would say uh, the majority of writing happens in your head before you even hit the paper or the screen. And then as you're sitting staring at the screen, it's all a wrestle of internal dynamics. You grow in your confidence in the Lord or you grow in faith. Here's a little challenge that I've just started. I'm, I'm replacing all of the Christianese kind of words like faith that has gotten so um, abused by the world. I'm trying to replace it with words that would give the same meaning, but without the Christianese. So my confidence in the Lord is my faith in the Lord. How do I grow that skill? Um, and the same thing with writing. You talk to the very, very finest writers, and they're still working on the basic list of how to write, how to make your writing more interesting, how to make your verbs stronger, how to make your voice more distinct, how to make takeaway easier for the reader, how to, you know, all of those things are basic to the craft of writing. And you have to continually refine those in your writing. Think about how you pursue the Lord. You pursue the Lord diligently, faithfully, persevering. And the same is true for writing. You practice disciplines in your spiritual life that take you closer to the Lord. You go to church, you pray, you read your Bible, you ponder, you have a sensitive heart. All of those things has a parallel with writing. You build a community of writers. You build a community of people who like what you write and you share with them all the time. You, you figure out how to be in community with them. So that's what I mean by building the internal journey and the skills of writing. We're here with Barb Peel, who incidentally just recently was named uh, the alumna of the year here at Clark Summit University. And she's currently serving out in California as a vice president uh, at Through the Bible, J. Vernon McGee's ministry. I just need to think, you know, you impacted through your writing and communication skills at Walk and Word, Insight for Living, now at Through the Bible. And uh, tell me your, you told me before about your Jess Eaton story. Can you share that? <laughs> yes. I think that ties in well with what we're talking about. Yes, of course. You know, it kind of goes back to what my dad said, go somewhere where they'll shape your character. And, and so even from a kid, I've loved the thought of global ministry. It never seemed out of reach to go global. Um, and I don't know if it was the faith of a child or, or what, but so it's always been in the back of my head that uh, we are a community at large. So when Jess did his pitch to the freshmen, you know, we got them all in a room. You can't leave the room. Everyone was given a three by five card and he 
gives his his heart for going into world missions. And he kept pressing it to where I'm like, all right, already, like, stop. I, of course, I'm willing. Let me, I think I was one of the first ones to say, yes, I'm willing. I wrote it on a three by five card with my name and turned it in and I got to leave because it was a done deal already. And so my senior year, he sends it back to us. Like, remember, you said you were ready. So, and so I, I was, I was ready and willing at Dallas Seminary. I even led with a, a man that I was dating, Student Missions Fellowship, to where we were, we were heading out, we were going. It wasn't even a question of, of if, it was where. And so then when I didn't go, it was like, huh, well, okay. And I didn't even have this, like, maybe I should go to, you know, I should move to Harrisburg and, and, you know, get to know ABWE and figure out how to, you know, do that. No, it was, um, no, I'm just going to take the next step. And the next step happened to be into teaching. And so I followed other than that short time, that six, seven years of teaching, I've been in a ministry ever since that has gone global. In fact, an email that I'm that I just got since we've been talking, I wrote these summaries of Dr. McGee's transcripts into these short summaries. And I just seen here that they've now gone to our seven European languages. And so probably this time next month, what I've written, which is based on Dr. McGee's material, will be broadcast throughout Europe in seven languages. So I don't know. I don't know if Jess ever had a vision for that kind of world global ministry, but the Lord did. Well, Jess is with the Lord now, uh, well, but, I, <laughs> but I think he'd be pretty happy with this. A pretty good reach. Okay, so, so what, what I've been hearing, Barb, is that if, if I want to, to write, probably for me, I'm best off to think, what do I want to say? Who do I want to say it to? And then we're in a Christian community. I gather some iron sharpening iron people around me who will be able to help me say it better, communicate it more clearly, all that kind of stuff. And then I find where the people I care about gather and I present it to them praying. And then if, uh, if God chooses, uh, he will use it in a small way or a big way, but uh, I've honored him in the whole process of producing it and then let him do what he wants with it. Mm -hmm. Does that seem reasonable? And it is. And I can't tell you how valuable this process is to, to you personally, to continually be shaped and driven by the idea of what do I have that I can share with someone else through this medium that I'm I'm crafting over a lifetime and then let the Lord decide how to do it. But the discipline of doing it is one of the joys of my life, figuring out how to do it. And I'm doing it all the time. I'm reading about it all the time. Here's the recent book, Write Better, by one of the most renowned editors in last generation. I have a lifelong editor on the craft and art and the spirituality mm -hmm. of writing, a godly man who spent most of his life at International Varsity Press, wrote it. I'm digging into it. It's becoming my content now because he's sharing it so freely. And do you know about this book? It's called Humans. There's yes, a I've book called yes. Humans of New York. Well, it's a secular as I'll, I'll get out. 
but all it is is a picture and a story about people that the author met in New York. And now this one is global. It breaks my heart and it stirs me with excitement. And I sit sometimes when I just have a couple minutes or I need a mental break, I just sit and read about people because they're so different than me. How can I write for through the Bible or for, for myself in a way that's going to touch their life? Like you're in a continual classroom when you're a writer. By the way, you're also never going to be without a job when you're a writer because people continually want their communication crafted and all the more in the last, I'd say, five years when the internet is literally bursting with content. If you can craft any kind of communication module, you will never be without a job. Promise. <laughs> Paul, some last thoughts from you? I think it's pretty neat to see a girl from Poughkeepsie, New York, come <laughs> to BBC and give God, hey, I'm willing to serve overseas. And God doesn't take her the traditional route as a missionary, but yet has given her a worldwide audience through her, her writing ministry. And truly, she is writing as a ministry. So it's great to have Barb kind of share that and encouragement and challenge to us. So thank you so much, Barb, for joining You're us You're welcome. Today. It's been my joy. And I would echo that. Uh, you have been a, a good friend and encouragement in Christ to me. Uh, for all these years, I never would have said 35 out loud, um, but you said it. So. I did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, God yeah. bless you, Barb. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Thank you. Call anytime. 